Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Black Bar on Air. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell, and you are in the midst of our Dialogue About Daughters series. The Dialogue About Daughters series is a part of our National Save Our Daughters Night campaign that takes place on May 8th. If you want more information on our campaign, visit our website at www.saveourdaughtersnight.com or you can reach us at www.fathersincorporated.com. And so we've had several discussions specific to um, daughters over the last few weeks, and we are at no shortage of issues and concerns and um, angles to which we can talk about our nation's girls. Um, I've had some great guests, and we continue um, with um, another great mind. Um, she is a good friend. Her name is Rachel Vassell, and she wrote a book called Daughters of Men, The Importance of Fatherhood and Girls. How you doing? Hey there. How are you? I cannot complain whatsoever. Um, these conversations have been so rich um, with information. I'm, I'm really glad that I decided to really delve into some conversations that are specific um, to our girls because we tend to... Um, doing this work hang a lot on how these issues impact our boys and given the current societal atmosphere, um, we've begun to have a lot more conversations about our boys than we are our girls. And so this gives us an opportunity to really begin to talk about um, the issues and concerns and expectations that we have for our nation's daughters. Um, Rachel, tell us a little bit about your work uh, and specifically your work around fatherhood, but your work and the things that you're up to today. Yeah, well, um, the, the, I think that you mentioned earlier that I wrote a book called Daughters of Men, um, Portraits of African-American Women and Their Fathers, and it, it's a photo essay book that features prominent uh, African-American women who were greatly influenced by their dads. So you have photos and, and essays uh, about their, from the female's perspective, about their relationship with their dads and how that impacted their life and their um, their future. Um, so it's 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 great uh, ex- exploration of uh, American families of all types who um, are telling their stories through this work and through the lens of the daughter. And um, it, it was a, an honor to work mm-hmm. on this. What motivated you to do the book? Well, I um, always admired fathers. I I wasn't raised by my own father. Um, my parents uh, divorced when I was young, and so um was raised mainly by my mother and my grandparents. And, um, I, you know, I, there was a time when I was a young girl that I, you know, I certainly really missed um, having a father around. And um, there was sadness and rejection and those kinds of feelings that you feel as a young girl when your father's not with you. But, but then later that turned for me into resentment and anger. And um, and then thankfully, as an adult, I was able to reconnect with my father and um, had a great relationship with him up until his death in, t- in 2011. So um, definitely a, a full circle story there. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I learned a lot through the process, and my father um, grew and changed a lot as well. And um, I, I think for me, it, it was always about what's the ideal and if you have a situation where you're not connected with your dad, there's always an opportunity to do that if they're they're still here. So, um, so part of the book is just about presenting 
what the ideal is, I, in, in my mind, what, what God's mandate is for fathers and how they should be connected with their daughters in the best sense mm-hmm. of that relationship. But I think um, the other message for me is, as someone who is not raised by a dad is that it's never too late to have that relationship and um, and that forgiveness is, is has got to be a key part of what we do to rebuild our families. And um, so all those messages are there. Yeah. What did you learn from any of the stories in the book um, about fathers or anything that um, became an eye-opening experience for you as you interviewed the many people that you interviewed in the book? Yeah, well, you know, there were lots of different fathers in the book um, in terms of socioeconomics. So some were super successful, others were your average Joe kind of guy. Um, but I think the commonality was not, um, it was more focused on the time that they all spent with their daughters. Whether they were a busy executive or, um, you know, a, a regular Joe, they they carved out time for that relationship, and and that was, clear throughout all of the essays and we we talk with over 40 women so um you know what the what the ladies talked about and they remembered from their childhood was more about you know i went on errands with my dad or he took me to the office or we went to the park or we met after school and did homework whatever that time was that they had um, together was the thing that the daughter really felt fed her soul and helped her to know that she was important to this man that you know, the first man that she ever loved, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that that was pretty consistent throughout, and it certainly wasn't something that I asked um, or fed to them. It was just it came out as the conversations uh, progressed. Right. Walk to me. You talked a little bit about um, somewhat the relationship and disconnect and then reconnect with your own father. Mm-hmm. Um, take your time for uh, uh, take your time and, and, and walk us through that journey, if you would. Hmm. Well, um Oh, boy, it's so rich. <laughs> There's a lot to say there, but I think, um, I, you know, I started out in a, uh, my parents married. I'm the youngest of three, uh, uh, two brothers, so they had, you know, that special relationship um, with their dad, and then, you know, me being the youngest and the only girl, um, I think, I, you know, I carved out something special with him as well just because of the position of where where I was born and just being unique in that I was the only girl in the family. And, um, and so while my parents were together, you know, I felt um, like a daddy's girl. I, I, I love my dad. I enjoyed spending time with him. And I, um, you know, and I and I think that's why when they their their marriage didn't work out and they divorced, that, that was so difficult because I, I had had, I touched that and enjoyed that and then it was gone. And I, I know, you know, in later conversations with my father, one of the reasons he said that he was absent is that he just was so disappointed that his marriage had ended that he kind of couldn't deal with any of it, and, and the kids were a reminder of that failure for him. And it w- really was just too painful for him to to see any of us, so he, he stayed away. And um, and that was eye-opening for me to hear that from him. He said he thought about me every day, but he just couldn't, he couldn't be there at that time. He, he had so many emotional issues that he was dealing with. Um, so, you know, that's, that was his perspective. And I think as time went on, he, he realized that he needed to come back and, and reach out to all of his kids, which he did. And, uh, you know, apologize for not being there and try to make the best of, you know, the time that he had left. And he, he truly did that. He had, um, hit rock bottom. He had been through some challenges in life. And, um, I think he had an opportunity to kind of look at 
where he could have done some things differently. Meanwhile, I grew up, I, I got married and had, I was a parent by the time we reconnected and had a great relationship, still do with my husband of 21 years and, um, you know, saw the value of fathers in the lives of my two girls and my son um, and wanted my kids also to have the benefit of uh, having a grandfather. Um, and so that was one of the things truly that drove me to reconnect with him because um, I thought that there was something that he could teach them that would be a value in their life and that, that relationship you know, shouldn't be discarded just because it wasn't perfect. And so uh, mm-hmm. we, we connected by mail initially, and, um, and then he asked me if he could come to see me and, and meet my family. And uh, he came here to Atlanta and um, met them. And I had been married for several years and had, you know, like I said, three kids by then. Um, but I had never told them anything disparaging about him or really much at all. I just didn't think that they needed to hear all of the, <laughs> all the history there. Uh, so um, I, when he came, he basically was able to tell his own story and talk with them. And like, like kids do, they were like, great, okay, you know, we have a grandfather. And they moved, moved on with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just really a blessing to see him interacting with them because I think for him it felt like he was having a second chance at something that he didn't do quite the way he would have done if he had it to do over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for me, I think, you know, when, when you don't have um, that father figure in your life, even as an adult there are things that you miss, you know, that you're not, there's advice that you're not getting from, from that perspective, from that generation, you know. And I remember once I was talking to him about my husband, and uh, he said to me, uh, I said, he said, you have a good man there. And I said, well, thank you. I said, he he takes good care of me. And he said, well, no, 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 you have to take care of him too. He says, you know, you take care of each other. And it, it just struck me as no one ever advises me about my marriage like that from a male point of view, you know. <laughs> he said that men needed that, needed to feel cared for as well, and they needed to be taken care of. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't one-sided, and he wanted me to hear that clearly. So, you know, even uh, when we reconnected later, there were things that I was still benefiting from having him in my life, and so it was it was definitely worth um, moving forward with that relationship. Were you able to, um, or let me take a step back, was opening your heart immediately easy, or did that take time? Oh, it's, it takes time because, you know, you can make a decision in your mind to forgive somebody, but acting that out, walking that out is truly difficult because you, your mind goes back to um, the, the the things that went wrong and, um, you know, you, you want to you forget about it, but you, you don't forget, you, know, you never really forget. But I think when you replace the bad memories with, with good memories, you think less and less about the the bad things, and so it it really takes time and relationship and you know spending time together to kind of relearn who 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 each of you are, you know. And um, and I I remember when I first decided to forgive him, and I told him that I felt like a weight lifted off of me. It just felt so good not to have that um, negativity carrying that around with me all the time. And it's not that I felt like I thought about it a lot or even talked about it a lot, but it, it still was there. So when it was finally released, I literally felt it, you know, go away. But then there were times, you know, weeks and years later where he would say something that would upset me because he didn't understand how that impacted 
something else that he may have done years ago, and then I would, you know, kind of say, well, I don't think you should have that perspective because of this, that, and that. And, you know, sometimes it, we would have some, some difficult conversations, but I think what he did for me was to be willing to have the conversations and to, to go low with it. He never, he always kind of acquiesced to what I needed because he didn't want to hurt me again, and he was willing to listen and hear and, um, you know, his approach was, was right on. It made it easy for me to work him back into my life because he wasn't defensive and he wasn't um, striking back or trying to be right, you know, or any of that. He he definitely helped the process along and made it easy. And sometimes you forgive people and they're just not quite there yet and they don't really deserve it yet, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's really not for them is what I learned. It's really more for, for you um, to have a fuller life and to... Um, to move on and move, move into positivity. Yeah. Did you yeah. get all of your questions answered? Were there any questions that were never answered for you or questions that you just decided not to ask? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think most of my major questions were answered. You know, it was for me it was all about... Why weren't you there? And did you know I struggled? And <laughs> why didn't you help me? And it was very me, me, me. And then, um, then I had questions about you know his relationship with my mother and and trying to understand that because for years you know I, I'd heard her perspective, but I never really had gotten his. So it wasn't for me to make a judgment because you never know what's happening in a relationship um, unless you're in it. But I think it just gave me greater perspective on what he may have been going through that caused him to behave a certain way. Um, again, not to make excuses for any anything. Um, you know, I, I really believe that men, when they have children, they have to be there, and they, it's their responsibility to. But I think that life is complicated, and it's not as black and white as I think I had imagined it was when mm-hmm. I was younger and and wasn't married and didn't not, not understand what it takes to have a relationship and to deal with the dynamic of kids and issues and you know strains on that relationship. And so I think just hearing more of his perspective and um, the fact that he, he admitted that running away from pain was the source of all of his mistakes. It was like it was something hurt. He ran away, and um, and uh, that was that was his solution, and he realized later in life that that wasn't the best thing to do at all. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, that all those pieces of information and that perspective on both parts really helped the process. Wow. You're listening to The Black Bar. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell, and today you are in the midst of our Dialogue About Daughters series. It is part of our National Save Our Daughters Night campaign that takes place on May 8th. For more information on that, you can visit us on our website at saveourdaughtersnight.com. You know, you know. often in the, I'm listening, I'm intrigued by your story and it's thinking you know, into me only because, you know, I have and my oldest daughter. Um, we have not had the kind of relationship that my other daughters and I had because, you know, we were estranged from each other in the early part of our life and, and came back together when she was around 14, 15 years old. And the relationship has never seemed to just mend itself in a way to which I experience it with my other girls. Now, we still talk you know, I'm always mindful of the kind of advice that I give her, never trying to overstep my bounds and those kinds of things. But I often wonder, um, because she's never really shown it, 
Um, she's never really shown me her angry side or her anger side. Um, how did you reconcile that, or did you um, shield that from him to really let him know exactly how angry you were about him not being in your life? Oh, yeah. No, I let him have it. <laughs> I let him have it pretty good. I tend to be pretty direct, and I, um, you know, I told him exactly how I was feeling and the things. You know, there's there's a point when I think you're you're an adult and you've been holding this in for a while that it, it comes out whether you want it to or not, but coupling that with the fact that I tend to be direct anyway mm-hmm. um, because I felt like we've wasted so much time. What's the point of not being clear with one another, what we expect and what we, you know. So that was the perspective that I went into it with. But, you know, I was 35 years old. I think in the case of a 14-year-old girl, you're in a very different place and you're not as comfortable expressing yourself and you um, still have confusion about who you are and who your parents are. And there's a lot that's still developing there. Mm-hmm. That will 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 evolve into something really great later if you keep doing what you're doing, oh. um, and you're there. So I, you know, I, I certainly when I was in college and in high school, I was angry and miserable about him, and um, you know, I, I um, when he passed away, I, I mentioned to a friend that you know I felt terrible. I'd never lost anybody close to me. And I felt like there was this literally a hole in my heart. And um, just because I just got used to having him back and then he was gone mm-hmm. and it happened pretty quickly. And um, I said, but, you know, thank God that I actually feel something because if this had happened when I was in college, I wouldn't have cared. You know, I just, I had been, I was that angry and that um frustrated with the situation that uh, I didn't feel much about it, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I was glad to have recovered the relationship to the point where it hurt me to have him gone again, and um, and that was a blessing. Wow. Um, you know, she though she was 14 when I came back into her life. She's 35. I mean, that's a perfect one. She's actually, she's 35 years old now. Oh, okay. And so, again, you know, we were just texting each other last night, and she was kind of telling me that she was moving into a new venture, and she wanted to send it to me for some feedback and those kinds of things. You know, but, you know, someone gave me a uh, card not too long ago, and it had... Ten things that a father should not should be mindful of with respect to their daughters, and one of the things in there that really struck me was as they get older, move forward, not backwards. And so, because you know, I've had the mindset that she's older, she doesn't need me as much, and I don't have to be in her life as much or be up in her mix as much. And I'm learning that that's not true. That is not true. <laughs> it's a different way. You know, you parent differently when you have adult children, but it's it's still parenting. It's still showing that support. It's still, you know, giving them um, advice. You're not tying their shoes for them, but you're, you know, you're helping them in other ways. And so um, I think you have to continue to take on that role. And uh, no matter how old your kids are, <laughs> I'm learning that. I have teenagers, and, you know, you definitely... The way I deal with my 17-year-old is very different than my 10-year-old, and you know I'm sure that'll continue as they get older into adulthood. Right. You said you were married for. You've been married now for 21 um, years. Yes. And you know, oftentimes we don't know um, what's going on on one side of the door as we kind of look at something from the outside of the door. 
But did you struggle in life with being able to identify what a good man looked like? Did you go through that struggle? Because many times when girls don't have fathers in their lives, they struggle with being able to identify and understand what a truly good man is. Right, yeah. No, and that's something that a lot of the women in my books talked about, just, you know, um, knowing what to look for in a good man because they had such a great example and all that. And I think that's really what a father should be for a daughter is just sh- showing a woman what, what she should take, how she should expect to be treated. You know, because he's treasuring her, then she's not going to put up with somebody who doesn't because she's used to that. She, that's how she lives her life, that somebody, that male in her life treasures her, takes care of her, looks out for her, supports her, that kind of thing. And and so I think that's a very real um, benefit that girls with fathers in the home get, you know, pretty early on. I um, had, you know, I mentioned before two brothers, and my oldest brother sort of took on that protector role for me, and then my grandfather also, um, you know, looked out for me and, and I, I thought really loved me, um, even though he wasn't very open about it. I, I knew that I was special to him. So I think I had men in my life that, valued me and, and expected me to live and, and operate in a very respectful way, and I, I always try to do that because of, of them. Um, but, you know, I think it's difficult for those girls who don't have a male that doesn't want anything from them just to see them do well in their life, you know, and um, ways that that can translate into, well, I have to do what I can to get the attention of a man. Um, which is which is which is lopsided. You know, it's, it's, men should be getting the attention of the woman, <laughs> um, and we have that power as women. You know, to draw to us what we want and to demand what we want, and we should be able to get that if we have that that kind of self-esteem and we know our worth. And so often um, we don't know our worth because no one's told us that, you know. So um, it's it's definitely important. And, you know, with my girls, I, I try to let them know that they, they have a worth because they come from some somewhere, you know. Know where you come from. Know that you've got people behind you that believe in you and your father is here to take care of whatever is going wrong, you know, and so is your mother. But, um yeah, I think I think that that's a really, unfortunately, in the African American community, a real problem with our girls not knowing their worth, and it retards the whole family structure because when women don't know what they what they should be what they what they should expect from from a man, then they then men can be comfortable operating beneath where they should be. And they will come up to what we demand of them because they want what we've got. <laughs> right. So as soon as we know that, <laughs> mm-hmm. we could lift. We really can, as women, I believe, uplift the whole community if we just kept our standards high. Yeah. And so often we don't do that. Right. When you see the relationship or you kind of watch the relationship between your daughters and your husband, do you have moments when you kind of wonder what that must feel like for a girl to have a father in her life? I do. You know, I love it. You know, I have to say, I'm not, you know, I've met a lot of women when I was on book tour that would say, I don't relate to your book because I didn't have that. And um, and it made them feel sad or that something was missing from their life. And for me, it was it was hope. It's hope to see my, my husband with my girls because that's the way it should be in my mind. And I, I, I'm enjoying for them that they've got that, that they have what I didn't have. 
and that they can delight in their father and that they know that he's got them. Um, and, and I think I see that they are confident in ways that I wasn't at their age because they've got that. They've got that backup, you know, um, and they've got somebody who loves them and would die for them, literally, um, and, and has that unconditional love that, that gives you a certain amount of confidence in life that you can do things and you can, you know, you can achieve and you can, uh, if you want to try something, somebody's there to help you with it and that you have that um secure environment that you're living in and that protection and all of that. So I, I think it's it's beautiful to watch, and I, I love it and, and definitely encourage it in my family. Oh, wow. Um, in your book, you interviewed some very high-profile um, women, including um, uh, Kathy Hughes and Sanai Latham and Brandy and Tracy Edmonds and Lisa Ray McCoy and, and, and others. Um what was the most striking or compelling story um, that you did, that you interviewed for? Hmm. I think it was Kathy Hughes um, of TV and Radio One, mm-hmm. who had a great relationship with her father. Uh, this is one of the stories. I, I really do love them all. <laughs> There's actually a second one I'm thinking of besides Kathy Hughes, but hers was striking because she was a daddy's girl, and her father had taught her to be independent. Um, growing up, and so she was very responsible. And then she ended up um, getting pregnant as a teenager. And so she talked about the disappointment that she had in herself because she felt she'd really let her father down. And um, in her home, her mother had suggested that she get rid of the child, but her father was the one that said, you don't know who that child is going to become, and you you should have the baby, and I'm going to help you. Even though, you you know, he he recognized that she had made a mistake, but he, he was still there for her. You know, he loved her. That's his daughter, and he wanted to see her overcome whatever challenge she was facing. And so he did. He helped her. She ended up moving out and being a young mother and taking care of her her son. And she said, Rachel, my son, I'm so glad I listened to my father because my son is now running all my businesses, you know, and he is. <laughs> and um, I believe he's her only child. So what a great example of, you know, um, overcoming something that's that can be so difficult for a dad to support, you know, a mistake like that, but he was bigger than the mistake. His relationship with her was more important to him than that mistake that she made. So I love that. And then um, the other story was there was an executive um, from American Express um, who whose father was a sharecropper. And what I loved about her story was that he, she grew up in a family of um, – of, of girls, and she had one brother but several sisters, and they all had to work the land that her father sharecropped, and he couldn't read. And she went on to get her MBA and to work for American Express, which had a black CEO, you know, that she's worked under, and, um, and you know, the basic things that her father taught her were faith, and she said that even though he couldn't read, he would pray out loud at night, and she would hear his prayers, and she would see what he was believing for, and then she would see when those things came to pass. And um, she also said that she's been a female in the boardroom for, um, you know, many years, but she never felt intimidated by men because her father never looked at her as a girl. He had work to do on that farm, and those girls had to get it done. And it didn't matter that they weren't boys. They were out there plowing and you know, um, picking eggs and doing whatever they had to do to keep 
keep the family's income coming in. So I love that, and, and I love the idea of, you know, a man who was not educated that raised this woman who's confident and intelligent and was able to reach the upper echelons of uh, echelon of um, corporate America and coming from that kind of a background. I think it's a pretty tremendous story what one person can do for a girl when he believes in her. If you were to look across the landscape of high-profile women today and have the desire to do a part two to this book, whose story would you like to tell? Um, a part two. First of all, do you think it would be difficult to find as many girls or women today who had great relationships with their daughter? No, no, no. I, you know, someone asked me that question before, and I, no, there's always going to be great fathers out there, mm-hmm. always. You know, um, and hopefully the work that you're doing and others are doing um, will result in more great father stories that we can tell. So I, I don't think there'll ever be a shortage of those. I mean, I'm certainly raising my son to be a great father, and I know a lot of women are um, thinking that way. You know, at some point he's got to leave and he's got to lead his family and do do the right things. And if he has a daughter, I expect him to take care of her and to, to feed into her and all of that. So that's how I'm thinking about my children and the next generation. And I, I, I believe a lot of African-American families think that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, there's there's always opportunity um, to tell these stories, and we should get better at this. And I think part of the message of the work that we're both doing is let's save our families. Let's let's make sure that our families are the way, the be, you know, at the best level that they can be. Um, let's stay together. Let's work together. Let's support our kids. Let's continue to focus on education. I mean, all those core principles that our grandparents knew about, I mean, those are the things that I think we kind of have to look back to to just continue to move move forward. And I think in any family, you know, African-American or not, I think the, the place of a father is unchanged. It's, it's just it's, there's a, a position that that father has that feeds into his kids, and um, that's just, I, I think everyone knows what a father should be, right? Yeah, <laughs> We just have to live it and, 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 and show it right. every day. So i got one more question for you. Um, it's a question that I've posed to everyone that I've interviewed so far, and the rest of them I will ask this question again. The question is, if God gave you the power right now to eliminate one issue for our girls, what would it be and why? Wow. Well, you know, I truly believe it's fatherlessness. You know, I think um, fatherlessness causes lots of problems. I mean, you look at um, the Chief Justice of the Georgia Supreme Court is featured in the book, and, I mean, she does a state of the judiciary address, or she used to when she was in that role. And, um, you know, one of the things that she always talks about is, you know, 90-something percent of the men that are in prison are, you know, were came from single parent homes. They had no fathers. They had no leadership in their homes, and they were figuring out their lives and made mistakes because they didn't have somebody to guide them. Um, and I think that um, I, I think certainly for women, you know, or any child, we're stronger when we have a father and a mother to feed into us. And there, there's exa- there's an example in my book of a woman whose parents were divorced, but they, they worked together to make sure that she was taken care of, and they, they partnered as parents, even though their their relationship didn't last. 
So I think we have to be creative about how we do it. But if two people bring a child into the world, I really believe that it, you know that they, they both have to develop that child into an adult. And um, and when they don't, those issues stay with that person. I mean, if you look at my story, there's so many things I was distracted with because of my father's absence that um, I could have used that energy to go further in my career or work harder in school or do other things. But when you're distracted by um, a lopsided situation in your life, it, it kind of prevents you from succeeding at the level that you would. So um, this is an, it, there's an economic impact. You know, there's um, an integrity of people in, in ta- uh, impact that, you know, are you, are you better off when you've got two perspectives and two sets of learnings that are being fed into you versus one. I mean, the numbers are just two is better than one in that case, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, um, Yeah, I mean, it would solve so much in the community, and I think we would progress as a people in so many ways if uh, our families were stronger together. Right. Rachel, thank you so much um, for contributing to our dialogue series. Um, I think that this conversation is really going to help some people and, and heal some people to um, through your own story. I think that when we are transparent um, with our stories, I think that that gives space uh, for people to find their own stories and then heal themselves. And so I, I'm appreciative of you um, sharing your story with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm a daddy's girl at 46. <laughs> um, and, you know, it wasn't always that way. So I, I just want to also express to anyone who's listening who has an opportunity to reconnect to, to go for it. Make that call and forgive and move forward and, and save your family. Right. You can find Rachel's book, Daughters of Men, Portraits of African-American Women and Their Fathers, on Amazon. Uh, you can purchase it there. And I'm telling you, it's a great book. It's a it's a great book not only to read, but um, I have it here in my office on my desk. And one of my staff people has one on her desk, and I think we have one at home. It used to be on our coffee table. It's just a great book. Um, and conversations starter, particularly when people come over, it gets them to begin to start talking about relationships and families and so forth. So thank you so much. Um, you are listening to the Black Bar, um, and you are in the midst of our dialogue about daughters series. Um, it is part of our National Save Our Daughters Night campaign that takes place on May 8th. If you want more information on the campaign, on the campaign, please visit our website at saveourdaughtersnight.com. Be blessed.